0: Welcome to Your Daily Hash, and this is going to be the second episode. The first episode was the introduction. This is more or less a continuation of what I do on YouTube, and just giving quick uh, wrap-ups of news that I find that I like to, uh, that I share to people. So, uh, what's the news today? So, more or less, we're going to talk a little bit more about Korea. So, basically, what's been happening in South Korea is that the uh, Ministry of Justice has, has um has proposed a bill to ban crypto trading in South Korea, and this has caused a huge backlash within the country. It's caused a uh, massive wave of FUD. In case you don't know, FUD stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. The psychology aspect behind FUD is when uh, organizations, or governments, or regulators, or whoever, when they spread negative news that people, for the most part, it, when when regulators spread news that isn't true for the most part after you do your research. People call it FUD and basically the effect of FUD on the market is it causes people to panic sell because they don't know what's going to happen so they're cutting their losses and they're selling everything and FUD is a massive psychological aspect behind people selling and prices dropping and uh, corrections and crashes and whatnot happening. So back to South Korea, so uh, to sum things up which I spoke about yesterday, the South Korean The Ministry of Justice proposed this bill to ban crypto trading and to sum things up, over 100,000 Korean residents have signed petitions asking the government there to step back from any plans to close the country's crypto exchanges. On top of that, uh, 30,000 people signed petitions to have the head of the Ministry of Justice step down more or less because they don't like what's going on in the country. They don't like how um, they're just proposing this bill to ban crypto trading. Also to this also sorry about that, this builds up on the fact that uh, I li- literally just the previous day, uh, so two days ago before today, on around January 10th, uh, Cor- the Korean government, the Korean police, Uh, raided several of these exchanges uh, in hopes of catching people or finding records of people or finding proof that people were not paying their taxes in Korea because, as you know, governments want to get a cut out of this cryptocurrency thing. They do not want people evading taxes. They want to get the money. They want to get paid. So that's more or less the latest FUD that's been going on in Korea. Uh, To go a little bit deeper into the article that I read and the blog that I wrote, uh, the proposal drew swift pushback from within the South Korean government. The president's office, in particular, said no move is finalized as of yet, as well as cryptocurrency supporters and traders in the country who cried foul as the statement sparked a fall in cryptocurrency prices. Yeah, so like I said, more or less this statement caused a massive uh, panic throughout all exchanges. Matter of fact, people sold everywhere, not just in Korea. Uh, But this more so affected Korean exchanges than um, other people, obviously, because Koreans are more than likely going to interact with their own exchanges, i.e. Korean exchanges directly. But this... This caused what I like to call a sea of red and basically a sea of red is when you go in CoinMarketCap.com. CoinMarketCap.com is a website that basically lists every single cryptocurrency and information about the cryptocurrency from market cap to price to the uh, 24-hour change, 7-day change and uh, more. A sea of red is when everything on the website is red, everything is in the negative, everything is down. So that is typically the result of some type of uh, fear uncertainty and doubt, some type of negative news, or some type of correction, or people just profit-taking across the board, or people panic selling because of news. Um, to get a little bit deeper into this, um, this, these petitions that were signed, uh, so many people were signing online petitions on Korean websites that actually, uh, Korean websites were virtually taken down because of the amount of traffic that was being sent to their website. So, so many people were trying to access web, this website to sign petitions that people uh, couldn't use the website because the website got taken out. Too many people were using it, too much traffic. Uh, I'm gonna end this part here, I'm gonna go to part two. All right, so I'm gonna take a brief moment to explain some of the, um, some of the uh, more common terminology that people use in this space and uh the first i guess the first word we're gonna start off with is bitcoin so what is bitcoin bitcoin is a collection of concepts and technologies that form the basis of a digital money ecosystem units of currency called bitcoin are used to store and transmit value among participants in the bitcoin network bitcoin users communicate with each other using the bitcoin protocol what is a protocol think of a protocol as a rule it's a set of rules primarily via the internet although other transport networks can also be used The Bitcoin protocol stack available as open-source software can be run on a wide range of computing devices including laptops, smartphones, and uh, other devices, making the technology technology easily accessible to a whole bunch of people. Users can transfer Bitcoin over the network to do just about anything that can be done with conventional currencies including buy and sell goods, send money to people or organizations, or extend credit. Bitcoin can be purchased, sold, and exchanged for other currencies. and. specialized uh, currency exchange. Bitcoin in a sense is the perfect form of money for the internet because it is fast secure and borderless and all of this was uh, quoted from the book mastering Bitcoin by Andreas Antonopoulos if you don't know who Antonopoulos is he's more or less the uh, the, the og of cryptocurrency the og of Bitcoin he more or less what this guy does is he uh, quit his job a long time ago and he's more or less the biggest Bitcoin evangelist out there, I'm saying the word evangelist literally because he goes across the country, across the world, going to uh, seminars and just um, educating people on Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, from the uh, economic level down to the protocol level, and when I say protocol level, I'm talking about the nitty gritty with um, the technology down to the code level, down to the uh, the code level, I guess, too. Um, So that's who he is. If you're really interested in learning more about him and his uh, lectures and stuff, you can literally look him up on YouTube at A-Antonop. A-A-N-C-O-N-O-P. He's a very, very good lecturer. I watched a lot of his videos and his videos have helped me a lot back in the day. Uh, To to continue on with his book though, unlike traditional currencies, Bitcoin is virtual. There are no physical coins or even digital coins per se. The coins are implied in transactions that transfer value from sender to recipient. Users of Bitcoin own keys that allow them to prove ownership of Bitcoin in the network. With these keys they can sign transactions to unlock the value and spend it by transferring it to a new owner keys are often stored in a digital wallet on, the, on each user's computer or smartphone. Possession of the key that can sign a transaction is the only prerequisite to spending bitcoin, putting the control entirely in the hands of the user. So that's how this, that's how this uh, digital currency or cryptocurrency is different from other currencies out there. The uh, control, the fate, whatever you do is entirely on you, it's not, it's not backed by anything per se. There is no uh, bank, there is no um, Federal Reserve. You more or less become the bank, you more or less have the powers of the Federal Reserve. You transfer your uh, Bitcoin to other people and uh, other people can transfer their Bitcoin to you. So that's why they call it a decentralized peer-to-peer distributed system. And that's what the next paragraph talks about. It's a decentralized peer-to-peer system and there's no central server or point of control. It's created through a process called mining which involves computing to find solutions to a mathematical problem while processing Bitcoin transactions. Any participant in the network uh, running the full Bitcoin protocol stack may operate as a miner using their computers processing power to verify and record transactions. Every 10 minutes, a miner is able to validate the transaction of the past 10 minutes and is rewarded with a brand new Bitcoin. Essentially, Bitcoin mining decentralizes the currency issuance and clearing functions of a central bank and replaces the need for any central bank. So we're going to take a break there and then we're going to continue on with some news. So uh, more or less on a basic level, think of a miner as just like a specialized computer that uh, does a whole bunch of uh, processes, a whole bunch of Bitcoin transactions. And the reward for this transaction is Bitcoin every 10 minutes. Um, let's, Let's continue on with some news. Alright, to uh, continue on with the news, one thing that's always been talked about in the space is regulation. Basically, when people talk about regulation, they're talking about laws or bills or anything that these uh, governments around the world try to enact to more or less try and control the flow of cryptocurrency or try to control the movement of cryptocurrency, or just try to control it in general. Like I said, they've never dealt with something like this because it's more or less decentralized. Well, it is decentralized. Bitcoin in itself is very decentralized. It's a distributed peer-to-peer system. So there isn't always one person you can um, point the proverbial finger at when things happen in a space. Like for example, um, typically with a company, you have a CEO. Now picture Bitcoin being a company with no CEO and no employees per se. So uh, how does that relate to regulation? Well, so typically if you're trying to regulate a company, you just would point your finger directly at the company or you would point your finger directly at the CEO. However, in the case of this, because nobody owns it and it's distributed, there's no particular way that they can just go about shutting this down without um, going through numerous hoops, going through uh, climbing up numerous ladders, going through numerous trials and tribulations. So. In this article that we're about to talk about now, the uh, the uh, SEC more or less comes together and they form this thing called a working group to more or less discuss about how they can regulate cryptocurrency and the US Treasury Secretary Steven Munchen said on Friday that the Financial Stability Oversight Council, which is a government body that assesses financial system risks, has formed a working group focused on cryptocurrencies so they remarked on the process during an appearance at the economic club in washington dc after being asked about the topic of bitcoin they said they're very focused on it munchin explained we're pointing to discussions with other regulators within the u.s government and and he later said we want to make sure that bad people cannot use these cryptocurrencies to do bad things and i can understand their point of view but then again you kind of have to look at it like this bad people are going to use anything They're gonna use computers, they're gonna use cars. Bad people were probably the first people to use anything now that I think about it because they need to be able to evade the government, they need to be able to evade the law. So it only makes sense that the bad people would be the first to use computers, they'd be the first to use TVs, they'd be the first to use cars. And they were probably one of the first people to use cryptocurrency and Bitcoin now that I think about it. He added that the issue was one that the US government would engage with the G20 International Group as well. He previously reported um, his French counterpart talk about that. As previously reported, um, Nunchin's French counterpart called for more action from the G20 in December, highlighting a risk of speculation at time. On that subject of speculation, Nunchin said that he's concerned about the issue as well. I want to make sure that consumers who are trading this understand the risk because I'm concerned with consumers that consumers could get hurt. During the remarks, Mention also suggested that the Federal Reserve is unlikely to develop its own digital version of fiat currency, a topic under discussion at a number of central banks worldwide in the near future. The Fed and we don't think there is the need for this at this point. There's no reason, in my opinion, for them to have digital fiat currency because what would it do? And when they always they always talk about people getting hurt from this, but to be honest, I've never I've always seen people bashing this thing on national TV, but I've never seen somebody on national TV claiming to be hurt from this entire thing. So I'm always dumbfounded when they say that. However, I will agree with them in the fact that people need to understand the risk of all this stuff on their own when it comes to the volatility, when it comes to price changes. But then again, when I always look historically speaking back at um, emerging trends and technology, there's always been volatility associated with it. We've literally had volatility and new things, arguably since the 1800s. Um, not just in price, but in uh, society. Like when um, when trains came out, or when cars came out. Better yet, or better yet, when the assembly line came out for cars, which made cars affordable for people to use. Um, people who rode horses went out of business, or people who sold horses to people went out of business because nobody needed horses anymore because people could afford cars. Um, you could argue that with the uh, steam engine too. Uh, not only for boats, but for trains too. When uh, steam engines came out. People didn't want to just get any old boat anymore. They wanted to get on the fast boat because they were able to transport to other places faster. So that put a whole bunch of people out of business and made a whole bunch of people lose their jobs. And this is kind of the same way with this in terms of not only, you know, economic volatility, which hasn't um, happened yet, but with the uh, price volatility. When oil came out, oil was very volatile or when the oil boom happened, the price of oil was crazy. Look it up. Shout out to my boy Nate for tuning in. Miss you, bro.